Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. There are only seven days until the NFL draft as we're all eagerly awaiting for something real to happen again in sports since the initial free agency frenzy has kind of died down. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I'm very excited that you are tuning in as this is going to be a very comprehensive episode. And of course, right alongside me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. Nick, anything new over the past couple of weeks? We took a week off, but feels like an eternity with this quarantining uh, between the last two episodes. Yeah. We just forget what day it is, but uh, new things. We finally got the bidet. So that has <laughs> been, that's been great. Who toilet paper. That's not, no shortage here. We don't even need any, but we've got that. Um, that's about it in terms of new things. I got some new shoes today, but what about you? I learned how to fry some scallops earlier this afternoon. I always wanted to try it. I was always nervous because it's in the shellfish you know, family. Yeah. You know, I have a shellfish allergy. doesn't stop us from eating king crab, though, uh, and a glorious summer days in Chicago. But learn how to do that. Other than that, Animal Crossing right now with the kid has been an interesting endeavor over the last couple of weeks. Kind of got into that, but also I'm trying not to get sucked into the world of Animal Crossing, if you know what I mean. I don't know what you mean, but I know everyone's playing it right now. I also got this new hat, so I guess that's another thing that's that's new. But, yeah. Well, I'm glad that we are only a week away from the NFL draft, so we have something real to talk about and discuss. I think we have a lot that's real today as we're going to kind of continue our preparations for this draft. In today's episode, we're going to reestablish the state of the Chicago Bears now that free agency is behind us by putting each position on this football team under the microscope and asking one burning question at each. This is going to get us primed and ready to unveil our final mock drafts next week. Nick, are you ready to roll? Let's do it. Now, should we start with offense, defense, or do we pull a Robert Quinn and flip a coin? <laughs> I say we go with the offense and not pull a Robert Quinn, if it even happened, right? <laughs> yeah, the mysterious coin flip that's still maybe the talk of the offseason. But let's go ahead, Nick. Let's get this show started, and let's go ahead and start by taking a peek into that quarterback room. We already know that the Bears are setting up for a battle between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. They also added Tyler Bray back to the roster. Now we have all summer, of course, to, to kind of dissect this open competition at quarterback. So just a couple, well, just a week before the NFL draft, not a couple of weeks, just a week. Uh, the burning question for the quarterback room is, should the team draft a quarterback? Is it a quote must have this year? And with that, Nick, I want to hand it over to you. Yeah. So this is a good question, Will, um, because I think a lot of people think, no, the Bears shouldn't draft a quarterback. Well, I'm here to tell you that they should. When you look at the quarterbacks that are currently on this roster, obviously you just named them, Will, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, Tyler Bray, there's a good chance by the end of the 2020 season, if everything plays out maybe the way the Bears make the playoffs and things like that, 
Tyler Bray might be the only one on this roster, which is crazy to think because the Bears, it doesn't look like they're going to commit to that fifth-year option. They have until May 3rd to sign it, and it would be guaranteed uh, for injury only. But it would be – Trubisky would basically be making top 10 average salary at that position. A lot of money for a guy that obviously you brought in Nick Foles to compete with. Nick Foles has restructured his contract so much that he went from having a $15 million base salary in 2020 to a $4 million base salary. And then there are incentives if he plays well. But one of those incentives with all this restructuring, if he he can become a free agent at the end of the 2020 season. So there's a possibility the Bears don't have Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles by the end of 2020. So why not draft somebody that you know is going to sit who's going to learn this system, has Nick Foles to kind of learn from, who's been renowned for his ability to mentor quarterbacks, come in for relief, but it looks like... Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. He may, be the, may have the head up right now as a starting job, so I think the Bears should look also at the future. Who can they bring in that's not just a wasted draft pick, maybe a seventh or sixth round? Not that those guys can't be something, but you can possibly use a higher draft pick, maybe one of those second round guys, to get a guy like, you know, I love Jake Fromm. That's the guy that I will vouch for. But I think the Bears realistically are going to approach this draft saying, hey, we need to get somebody because we don't know who we're going to have. And if it's just Tyler Bray in 2021, that's not what you want. So I think the Bears quarterback is definitely an option for this draft. But is it a must have? That's the bigger question here. Is like, is it like, would it be a missed opportunity not to? There are other needs. Draft capital is limited. So is it a must have? If you want us to have sustained success, I think so. Because I just don't know what this quarterback room is going to look like come 2021. And you don't want to have that issue again going to season. Who do we have at quarterback? That's the worst question you could possibly ask yourself if you're a team. Who is our quarterback? So I think the Bears can just destroy that question all in general if they just at least draft somebody so they have somebody there. I get it. I just don't know. Say if you draft a guy in the fifth or a sixth round this year and things fall apart this season, does that really help you for 2020? Is that fifth round guy going to be your starter? Or if you have a higher draft pick, do you just reinvest it in the 2021 draft? That's kind of where my mind goes right now. And on top of that, another question did come to mind. And is it actually possible for the Bears to draft the quarterback too early this year, Nick? Say he's one of those second round picks at a quarterback. Is there anyone in that range that would even make sense? I mean, it depends how you look at these guys. Like, if you are thinking Jalen Hurts or Jake Fromm is a second-round talent, then you go ahead and draft them there. I think people are going to overdraft some of these guys that are projected going into the first round. Like, Jalen Hurts has been someone that's been fluctuated from being a guy that can't throw the football. Now he's borderline first-round talent. So I think it's how the Bears kind of see each guy fitting into their system. A guy like Jake Fromm, I think, fits into their system perfectly with what they want to do. I think realistically or ideally, they would want to take one of those second round draft picks, flip it, get someone maybe in the third round where maybe a Fromm would still be. And that's ideally where you want to draft him. But if you need to get that guy and there's no other way of doing it, Ryan Pace has shown he'll take somebody if he really likes him. So it's one every court, every team's going to have a different, I guess, prospect ranking on mm-hmm. these guys. But. Yeah, it's all it all goes to each individual team. Yeah, and we're a fan of one specific team that we're talking about right now. I feel like, you know, we've talked about it all offseason, and Ryan Pace said it years ago that you need to draft a quarterback every year, and I've agreed with that. I've been wanting him to, but just with the current draft picks, I don't know if they don't trade back, which, God forbid, if they don't, we need to recoup some picks. But just looking at what we have now, I don't know where value aligns up with need. And maybe it's a James Morgan if he slips into one of those picks, an Anthony Gordon, or if you're even looking later. But for me, I don't know if I would call it a must-have because if things fall apart this year, you'll have a first-round pick next year. You could invest 
back into a quarterback if that needs to be the case moving forward. I think for this year, it may not change the narrative or actually really the overall outcome. So I want to call a must-have, although obviously it would be nice to throw a another quarterback that's not Tyler Bray into the quarterback room into the mix as well. All right, moving on to running back. We're all expecting David Montgomery's play to take a jump next season if the offensive line progresses, of course, to the degree that we are envisioning. It's been well noted and discussed on this show just how much Tariq Cohen struggled to get production out of the backfield last season, too. As a combine, Nick, I know you were there with Ryan Pace, and he mentioned the Bears were obviously pretty vocal about getting Cordero Patterson into the mix more at running back. So the question here before the draft is, do all three of these players combined provide enough talent at the position? Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, I know that each and every one of these players do have talent. We've seen it. But do their skill sets complement one another in a way that's priming the offense up for success in 2020? Nick? Yeah, good question. I think that if you utilize these guys in their their actual strengths, you can have a viable backfield with David Montgomery, Tree Cohen, and Cordell Patterson. He, I think Cordell Patterson's really kind of the X factor in this equation because the Bears, looking at how they used him last year, he had 17 rushing attempts. And you look back to the year previous in 2018 when he was with the Patriots, he was able to get 45 rushing attempts throughout the entirety of the the time there with the Patriots regular season and postseason, and they were able to actually use him effectively. Uh, I wrote a whole article on like how the Bears can do that, but the I formation could be a way for to get the Bears in a better, um, I guess, formation to pick up some better yardage. They did some good things against the Chargers with J.P. Holtz there. Cordell Patterson also had success in the I formation. 17 attempts, 91 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. So you can see him actually picking up some of those you know, short yard situation. So if you use him like that and David Montgomery, I think he's still a good back. Yes. He didn't have the season that maybe I was projecting he would have, but when your offensive lines in flux, you have guys fluctuating at different positions, just not having very good consistency all season. It's going to affect your running backs. And I think the bears really need to reconsider using tree Cohen up the middle when he's in the game as a backfield. He's best when he's on the edges there. So, I think it's enough if they utilize the guys correctly. That's one thing. Can Matt Nagy actually put these guys and put them in positions to succeed? But with those three guys, I would feel confident with it. But what's your take on it, Will? I'm on the opposite train here. I think you need more talent. And I don't think you need to try to replace a Tariq Cohen or try to replace a David Montgomery. You need someone that brings a little extra flair, a little bit of different you know, elements to the table here. Obviously, you got the shiftiness with David Montgomery. Tariq Cohen, you have all the speed in the world. Cordero Patterson, you get him in space. Obviously, he can kick it into high gear as well and move his way down the field. But really, what we're missing on this offense, especially at running back, is just a bully. Someone who can bully the defense, run him over, lower the shoulder. A lot of like what we saw from Jordan Howard just even a couple of years ago. I think if you have a guy who can be the punisher type of back, it's a really good change of pace compared to the other skill sets that we have. You can throw in David Montgomery. He can make five guys miss by, you know, juking them. Tariq Cohen can outrun them, and then he'll meet the sideline, and he'll pick up a yard. But if you bring in a guy who can just run it up the middle and pick up three to four yards by running through guys, or if you get that guy in space and he can run over a DB or two and take it off to the house, that's what I think we're missing right now. Someone that can go in, wear down a defense with their physical play, and then you can sprinkle in more David Montgomery, more Tariq Cohen. And after I said that, maybe that sounded backwards because this would be the guy being sprinkled in. David Montgomery's your number one. And then, of course, you can uh, put in whoever based off the situation after the fact. So for me, I would love to see another running back out here on this roster, one that's a little bit more of a physical setting guy compared to what we currently have right now. And no, Ryan Nall is not that guy. Because uh, I, <laughs> I know that was going to happen. I was just about to bring happen. him up. I was I just about to bring him up. Knew it. Because Ryan Pace also said he really likes Ryan Nall. That same where he's talking about all those guys. Ryan Pace says a lot of things. So, well, we've come to come to know just what the past month he says a lot of things and we'll go, you know, right back against his own word. Absolutely. Let's move on, though, Nick. Let's move over to wide receiver. And one of the narratives that we've spoken about on this show dating back to last season, and for me, ever since the team released Marvin Hall before 2019, that season even began, has been all about one word, and that is speed. Everywhere you look, you'll see someone saying that the Bears just need speed at this position in order for the offense to open up. 
Now, I agree the Bears need speed, and this is very true, but is it fair to say that speed is the only thing lacking or needed at this position? How about you, Nick? Yeah, so I think obviously speed is a huge component is what the Bears need at the wide receiver position. But here, I'll, I'll just run you down what they actually have at the position. At the X receiver right now, they have Allen Robinson, Javon Wims, and uh, Ives. I forget his first name. I think it's Thomas, Thomas. Ives. Thomas Ives. At the Z receiver, which is what um, Taylor Gabriel played, you have Riley Ridley right now and Cordero Patterson. And then at the Zebra, that slot position, you have Anthony Miller. And then I had to honestly look up these two guys, Will. Alex Wesley and Reggie Davis. So you look at that really that Z receiver and Zebra, you would like to have one guy that can maybe play a little bit of both. So obviously speed's a huge component, but can you really trust Riley really to be the starting Z at this point when he didn't really play much last year? We're expecting a jump, of course, and I think he'll make that jump. It's a lot to ask for Riley Ridley to just be plugged into the Z. Then you also have the Zebra position. Anthony Miller's been injured the past two seasons. And if you have to go with an Alex Wesley or a Reggie Davis starting in the slot where a lot of those one-on-one matchups are going to happen, that's not ideal either. So, yes, the Bears need speed, but I would want to bring in a guy that could line up in the Z. And at the Z receiver, you're off the line of scrimmage. There's a lot of motion. And you can also line up in the slot. The guy that I had projected in my mock draft, KJ Han. It's not easy being the one everyone counts on to keep the facility running, no matter the weather or supply chain hiccup. But we get you, Raymond in Buffalo and Maria in Miami, Jules in Minneapolis, and Stan in central Indiana, taking control of everything that's under your control. At Granger, we're here for you with experienced branch staff at over 250 locations so you get the product you're looking for. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Similar, I could see him fitting into that role really nicely. So if you can get a a triple threat as a speed guy, can fill the Z and the zebra at times, and Matt Nagy will move his guys, obviously. But if you can get a guy like that, that is what I think the Bears need. Speed's a huge component, but depth at Z and zebra position, that's definitely also a need for the Bears at wide receiver. I like where you took it. And don't forget, too, in terms of slot receptions over the past two years, Allen Robinson does lead all Chicago Bears in that category. So they move people around, like you said, a fair amount. For me, I'm not just worried about speed, but you hit it uh, a little bit more than maybe even I was even preparing to get into this. But I'm concerned about experience. You have Allen Robinson. He's a clear-cut vet. Anthony Miller, he's your wide receiver, too. But, of course, that shoulder probably gets you as nervous as it does me. We saw what he can do when healthy late last season. He's on that real hot streak in the second half of the season. But Riley Ridley and Javon Wims, they don't have a ton of in-game experience at the pro level. I think experience, of course, is a small yet perhaps slightly underrated void right now for the wide receivers left by Taylor Gabriel. Lots of unproven at wide receiver outside of Robinson and Miller. And that's what worries me, that you have two guys that we know what we have. And I think there's even more in the tank for an Anthony Miller, if he can stay healthy. But outside of those two, there's just no one with the experience that I can confidently say can be a consistent guy, a consistent target and threat in this offense. Yeah, we know, obviously, we're not forgetting Cordell Patterson, but he just hasn't, he doesn't play that much as a wide receiver. He's, he's all over in what Nagy kind of envisions him to be, so you can't really consistently rely on him to be a guy. So I agree with you. Experience is an issue right now at that position. You're not going to, Matt, you're not going to get experience when you're drafting, you know, obviously a rookie, but you would just like to have someone else that you can kind of rely on. Um, someone who does have that playmaking ability that does bring speed. So it, it's not, I guess it's not an ideal position to be in when you're bringing in another quarterback as well, too. You would like to have someone who knows all the routes alongside now in Robinson and Anthony Miller can do that. Just has to stay healthy. Precisely. So, yeah, obviously there is a little bit more than just speed that is needed at the wideout position. Now, moving over to tight end, the Bears have added two players this offseason at the position, starting with Demetrius Harris and, of course, and more notably, Jimmy Graham, who the Bears were, I almost want to call gushing over during their conference calls just a couple of weeks back. With currently, I believe it's nine tight ends on their roster, Comparing it to this year's tight end class, so taking the fact that there's already nine tight ends here, looking at the current prospect pool, is drafting a tight end early worth it in this year's draft, Nick? Because I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's worth it early. Probably not. Um, I really like Bryson Hopkins, and I think he'd be a great fit in this Bears offense. But in that second round, if the Bears are not trading back, they're only sticking to two. I don't see it being a tight end. Um, Even though I'm not sold on Jimmy Graham or Demetrius Harris by any means, and hopefully they prove me wrong, but I just don't think they're going to go draft a tight end with one of those two second round picks. Um, Even though the tight end position is such an important one in Nagy's offense, just to, it, it opens up other players. And if the bears don't have that, you'll see a lot of the same problems that we saw in 2019, but I just don't see it happening with the limited draft capital you can get someone at right guard. You can fill some of those bigger needs. The Bears have nine tight ends. They're hoping maybe one of them can do something in 2020. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you have nine guys on the roster currently that you feel you can invest money in and you can't find four or five worth sticking around in two or three of those being a consistent part of the offense, then no matter what you do by drafting a tight end, you're not going to help this year at this position. Yeah, we've seen tight ends in their first years. They usually are not huge contributors to to a team that's just how it goes but yeah it's if you have nine tight ends well and none of those guys could do anything like i don't know just go four wide receiver sets all damn time and just forget about the tight end position because that, that would be ridiculous exactly that's where i'm at in terms of the tight ends right now you just hit it it's like if you can't find a guy to you know out of this group that can be a consistent threat or at least a serviceable guy this season then I think there are some bigger issues with the pro scouting department in terms of who they're bringing in. And of course, some of those guys were are still young. You have a Dax Raymond last year who was projected to go late in the draft and ended up being an undrafted free agent. I think he signed a really decent deal for one of those. He was able to be stashed in our practice squad. So I think there are guys that are being overlooked, which is exciting. But either way you cut it, you just hope that you can find you know four or five to stick around and two to three to just be a consistent part of this offense. But anything else on the tight end you want to mention here in terms of uh, the draft and the upcoming uh, pool? Because I think you said it where you want to draft one early, but perhaps later on if there was a guy that fell through or some of the lower end prospects, if you're sitting around six, seven, maybe even five, maybe pull the trigger then? Yeah, I think if obviously the right guys in that situation that spot i look why not add another one to make it the 10th tight end it can't hurt you i don't think it could uh it definitely <laughs> could. could if you, you can miss out on someone else with that pick who end up could be a star yeah. you never know that's all that's the beauty of the nfl draft all right, moving on to from one disappointment to the other. Up next is the offensive line. Uh, we all know that this unit struggled mightily last year, but the silver lining is, at least I think this is a silver lining, uh, we all know that this group should be able to become a formidable one. Uh, we've seen it. Uh, they're returning four of five starters with the departure of Kyle Wong. They have plenty of experience, and if you add the newly acquired Jermaine Effetti, the minimum starting experience up front is two years. And that's James Daniels. So they have a lot of experience, uh, and they're a seasoned group is what I would call them. Now, obviously, we're expecting them to carry their weight more under some new coaching in Juan Castillo. It is very appropriate, though, I would say, to be concerned because you can't just have all your expectations turn around seeing what this unit did a season ago. So heading into the draft, what remains some of your bigger concerns for the offensive line? For me, and I'll go ahead and begin uh, uh, for Jermaine Effetti. Can he transition to guard, which he hasn't played in a few years? And not just that, but take his play and improve it. Can he be slightly more than serviceable, which he was in Seattle? And on top of that, too, just looking at this offensive line as a whole, another question on top of a question I have for myself is, was last year's regression really on the coaching? Or are these players like a Bobby Massey uh regressing a little bit and that could be another bigger larger problem for this offense line as well but how about you Nick what are some of your bigger concerns up front I think it's it's really revolving around that right guard position and if Jermaine Fetty can actually like you mentioned transition and be he's projected to be the starting guard there's just really nobody else that can kind of battle him for that position now unless Alex Bars comes out of nowhere which we can't say that he is because we haven't seen much of him anywhere except in the preseason, right? So that's where I think a lot of my concerns are focused on, that right guard position and just trying to get everybody else to really improve their play. I think everybody took a step back except for maybe like Cody Whitehair. I think he was consistent of the group for the most part of the 2019 season and having to make that transition. 
you don't usually skip a beat with Cody Whitehair. Everybody else, though, we need to see what Juan Castillo could do. He needs to be able to get these guys playing some good football and be physical. That might be the thing. If Jermaine Effetti isn't the guy and they signed a pretty cheap contract, you draft a guard that has a physical presence and see if that's contagious. I know he'd be a rookie. He'd obviously be the new part of the, the group, but you just need to have one player to show that aggressive mentality, and you hope it's contagious to the rest of the guys because I just think when you look at that offensive line, they just didn't win at the point of attack and they were usually being driven backwards. And that's what we just talked about, the running backs. We didn't get enough of them. A big part comes on that offensive line. So biggest concerns are at that right guard. But you also have to be thinking, who are you going to get to develop for that right right tackle position and possibly left tackle? You don't know. I think it's just good to have somebody. If the Bears want to go, again, to those two second-round draft picks and guard a potential future tackle, I wouldn't be opposed to that. All right. Now, before we transition over to the Bears defense, uh, just a quick aside to let you know that I hope that you and your loved ones are hanging in there during these times. Uh, It's been a long month plus, but hang in there. Uh, I hope our podcast does help even in the smallest of ways. But just want you to know that Nick and I are thinking about uh, each and every one of you and really you know, just everyone right now throughout all of this. Uh, I know at the top of the show, we're just talking about how we're, our boredom is setting in here throughout it all, but we know we're not the only ones affected. We know you are as well. And like I said, I hope that this podcast helps, uh, even if it's just for an hour, hour and a half, uh, it hopefully helps you get through your day. Now, getting back to the defense, let's go ahead and begin in the trenches with the defensive line. And as of right now, the only player that is not returning from a season ago is Nick Williams, as the Bears will have Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, a healthy Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson-Harris, who signed his tender on Wednesday, Brent Urban, who also resigned with the team this offseason, as well as Abdullah Anderson. Now, defensive line may, in fact, be one of the, if not the deepest position on the team. But, Nick, would it be wasting a draft pick if the Bears were to use one on a defensive lineman this year? Ooh, wasting, I think, is a strong word. Because I think if you obviously find talent at that position to rotate, that would be great. But I don't. I think the Bears are content with what they got there. They have some quality football players. And if you get a healthy Bilal Nichols, which he is, and sustained health going into the regular season, that's a huge jump for this Bears team because we're all expecting him to take some some big steps now in his career, but they have enough quality guys. It's funny that you bring that up because NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah, he actually projected, who was it, Justin Matabike? I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Texas A&M defensive tackle to go to the Bears. And it's like you hear that and you think, well, the Bears don't really need you know, another defensive lineman. But if he's a quality football player that can one collapse a pocket from the inside and makes Robert Quinn's job and Cleo Mack's job even easier, I just don't see them going that route. I'm content with this group. I don't think that they really need to add somebody else to really get the most out of them. Yeah, I'm along the same lines as you. I wouldn't call it wasting a pick. Obviously, there are much more pressing needs across the board here, but you have to look at it from this lens too. Akeem Hicks, his shelf life, it's closing. It's not gonna, it's not getting any uh, you know larger. It's only uh, continuing to get smaller. We don't know how many more seasons he really has in the tank. Uh, so if you can find another Bilal Nichols type in the mid rounds, especially if the Bears do trade back and get some additional picks, I want to be opposed to the idea. Like you said, there's a lot of value from having a deep defensive line. I think that's a big benefit that we've seen here in Chicago directly over the past two seasons. So if you can find a way to consistently keep them fresh, keep them young, and keep them hungry, and of course they'd be fighting for snaps at that point, obviously you may be able to get a lot out of that position as well. So not wasting a pick, but if the right guy falls in their laps, I wouldn't blame them, I guess, is the way I'll say it. Yeah, if there's someone later, I would be perfectly fine with that. Second round pick, though, I have a hard time finding like the value with what the Bears need at, at those second round draft picks. Yeah, those second round defensive linemen, uh, Eddie Goldman. Very true. He's a good one, but we don't need him. We don't need him right now. <laughs> we need Eddie Goldman, not another Eddie Goldman. Another Eddie Goldman wouldn't be bad, but not now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, not now. We'll talk about that in another season. But let's go ahead. Let's move on over to linebacker and begin with the outside guys. Khalil Mack, he got his counterpart in Robert Quinn. The team, of course, also added Barkevius Mingo to the mix. It's fair to say that this unit has gotten better and perhaps a little bit deeper since the end of last season. They also have Isaiah Irving and James Vodders. One of them could end up kind of rounding out the rotation. 
Now, this position went from one that was perhaps one of the biggest pressing needs in the draft to one that may not need too much attention here. So what are your bigger question marks at edge pre-draft? Yeah, so pre-draft, it's looking at which one of these guys is it going to be Barkevius Mingo or Isaiah Irving that's really going to be in that second wave? I guess both of them would be, but how are they going to perform? Both those guys haven't really done much in their careers up to this point because I think we know what we're going to get from Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, and that's why going into the NFL Combine, well, there was such a pressing need on an edge rusher, someone that can actually get at the, at the quarterback because Leonard Floyd wasn't doing it. You have Robert Quinn now. So I think the biggest need is like how or the biggest question, like how productive can these two backups be? Mingo, Irving, and if you want to put James Vars in there as well, how much are we going to get from them? You didn't see much out of the depth, you know, last season or even a year ago. Aaron Lynch did have some, you know, I, I would say good plays, but he also went off sides every other play. So you need to have a good balance and you need to at least have someone that can contain the edge. Because I don't think you're really realistically looking for sacks out of these backup guys. You get them, that's great. But you just want to see some consistency from these two backup guys. Because I think the starters will take care of business. You know, you're right where I'm thinking. Mingo's my bigger question mark right now because... Obviously, last year we only had two quarterback hits, zero sacks. And I know you don't really, you get, you will call those bonus sacks whenever any of the third or fourth guys in your rotation end up closing on one, but it's always nice. And Aaron Lynch, for everything and for every reason why he's gone, he did find a way to get that done. He at least had two sacks last year. He had 23 pressures. And I haven't been able to see a season where Mingo had that in quite some time. Uh, The closest I got right now that's been at least relative is 2018 in Seattle. He had two sacks, eight pressures on almost double the amount of snaps, though, that it took Aaron Lynch to achieve that last season. So for me, that leaves at least myself a little bit concerned whether or not that Mingo is an upgrade over Aaron Lynch or not, at least from a quarterback pressuring. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Standpoint. I understand your element as well of just let them contain the edge, give Khalil Mack a breather, get Robert Quinn a break, and then they'll come in and they'll clean up. But I think you still want one guy you can throw in to be that wild card to throw into this rotation. And I don't know if they have that yet. And I think we know that Isaiah Irving is not that guy. Just throwing that one out there. James Vodders, he's really good in the preseason, but he's not going to really translate into that regular season. So for me, Mingo's my biggest question mark is, can he be that outside linebacker three in this rotation that we need? We'll find out, but I don't know as of it stands right now. All right, now bouncing inside, I believe this one is pretty clear cut. You have your starters in Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan. They're going to be in year three together as a tandem. Just crazy. Time flies. It really does. Now, you lost your top two reserves, though, and Nick Wachowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. So right now, the replacements are, you know, Joel E.A. Booneyway and Devontae Bond. So the real, relatively simple question for this group is, how big of a need, just like outside linebacker, is that third inside linebacker on this roster? How about you, Nick? Yeah, I don't think it's the biggest need, but it shouldn't be overlooked. When you lose a guy like Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who played obviously a lot of minutes last season, played in a lot of games, started for you when both the starters went out due to injury, it's nice that you can have someone that you can rely on. Right now, like we've said in previous podcasts, well, we probably don't feel comfortable with the guys that they have as the backups at the inside linebackers positions because we just haven't seen really anything from them. We don't know what a Joel E.A. Buniwe can actually do as an inside linebacker. He's done some good things on special teams. He knows how to get down the field and make tackles. It's an entirely different animal when you're playing in the middle of the defense if you are asked to relay what the defensive play is if god forbid that happens because Danny Trevathan would be the one doing that but it wouldn't hurt if they were to bear if the Bears were to draft somebody in one of those six seventh round a developmental inside linebacker that you know is going to just play on special teams early on you could do that but I don't think it's a big need but you shouldn't overlook it like I said 
Very well said, Nick. I, I'm along the same lines. I don't know. If it doesn't even need to be a draft pick, but you have to find someone here. It could be a free agent later on in this offseason that still hasn't signed that you can bring in, uh, kind of like what we did with the Kevin Pierre-Lewis. But if they also want to go with the draft route, I think I had an inside linebacker at the very tail end of my last mock draft. Uh, so it just makes a lot of sense, at least from my mind, because, again, you lost your top two reserves and both Roquan and Trevathan are coming off season-ending injuries. And Trevathan, we know his uh, availability issues. He's only started 70% of the games throughout his time in Chicago, and he's missed nearly a third of his games due to injury. So obviously I'm here asking for some depth and please, and hopefully the Bears come through and find that next guy to at least help out in this regard. Because I don't trust Iggy here yet. I haven't really seen it out there for him. Of course, he can continue to grow and involve into that, but I don't think you can bank on him uh, by any means. Now, moving over to the secondary with Kyle Fuller and Buster screen set. The only big question is, is who's going to replace Prince Mukamara? The team has brought in two players in Trey Roberson from the CFL, Artie Burns, who's a former first round pick coming from the Steelers to compete with in-house candidate Kevin Tolliver. So of course, a lot of buzz right now with the Bears is they should draft a cornerback and perhaps drafting a corner early, which I understand. But as we near closer to the draft happening, Nick, I want to know how comfortable are you with that current battle to replace Prince and Burns, Tolliver and Roberson and comparing that to the draft as you're kind of setting up your board and of course your final mock draft. Yeah. So I would say I'm okay with what the Bears have to replace Prince of Mukamara. Obviously, you mentioned the guys, Burns, Tolliver, and Roberson. It's just there's a lot to be proven with each one of those guys. Tolliver didn't play as consistent as I would have liked him to see down the stretch last year. Burns, a former first-round pick, is still trying to live up to that, that draft selection, and Roberson was a CFL player. we got to see if that makes a transition. But – I think the Bears have to ask themselves this question. If they're going to use one of the two second-round picks on a, on a corner or a safety, because I think that's another thing we'll get into, but do you want an okay cornerback and a good, strong safety, or would you rather have a good cornerback being a draft pick and maybe an okay, strong safety and like a Deion Bush? It's like, where do you have more value at? I think if it was me... I'd want to have more value at having a good cornerback and just an average strong safety because you have Eddie Jackson back there and you don't need to have as much responsibilities at that that strong safety position. So I, I could realistically see the Bears drafting a corner in that second round because you can't be – I'd rather be, like I said, good at the cornerback position opposite of Fuller because he's going to be targeted a lot because you know being Kyle Fuller and all pro – having that season he had in 2018, not as good as 2019, whoever that guy is, Roberson, Tolliver, Burns, a second-round draft pick, they're going to be targeted a lot this season. Might as well get the best guy that you can, and if that's through the draft, you do it. That's a very fair point. I mean, I'm okay. I guess you just said okay, too. So if I'm yeah. okay with it, I guess that's not a resounding uh I guess word for it. I'm, I'm running a little blank here in terms of how I feel about them, which is, I guess, everything you need to hear. Uh, yeah. they, again, they all, I, I like their different paths. I like that you have the, the former first round guy who needs to reclaim his stake and inch his way back to the top. You have the guy coming from the CFL who no one knows about him. He's taking a long winded approach, but now his opportunity as well. And then Kevin Tolliver, he went undrafted, and he's had to earn himself a roster spot, and now he's earning himself at least an opportunity at a starting job. So I love all these stories, but a great story is don't win any football games. So you need to find the best player. So yes, it would depend on how the board falls, and if they find someone in that second round that they say, you know what, this can be our starter, then you pull the trigger. But if it's just someone who is, uh, maybe they're right in that same mix, like later on in the draft, then I think you just stick with your three and then you draft elsewhere. So for me, corner would be early or not, early or super late. I wouldn't do one in the middle just because I think they would fall right along the same lines of a Burns, a Tolliver, or a Roberson. Now moving on to safety, and I think the interesting bit here is that no one has really been signed to be that replacement for HaHa ha Clinton Dix because the Bears have signed replacements all across the board besides safety. Now I know they brought in Jordan Lucas, but you can't really think he's brought in to be that guy. Uh, the team also brought back Deion Bush on a one-year deal, as well as DeAndre Houston Carson. And a late addition to my notes, the Bears did re-sign Cherick McManus just a couple hours ago. So when you're looking at the safety position, is there a starter on this roster, Nick, or do the Bears still need to find their starting safety 
because uh, for me, I'm sticking to my guns, and I'm going to say they need to find that guy. And it doesn't mean they need to draft one or draft one early like a Duggar or a Chin. They can find a serviceable guy later in the draft, uh, like a J.R. Uh, J.R. Reed, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, I didn't even have notes <laughs> up on him, and I was like, oh, I remember that guy from the Combine. Or if you have a guy in free agency, you have uh, Tony Jefferson, who's still available. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if the Bears would look into a Clayton Gathers from the Colts. He was a defensive captain there. He's a strong safety, and when I look at him, he just reminds me a lot of Adrian Amos and what he provided to that defense as well. So I don't really care the route that the Bears go, but I still think they need to find that starting strong safety. How about you? Is the, can the starter be Deion Bush? Yeah, I think the starter can be Deion Bush. Um, right now, I think he is slotted to be that starting safety. And you just – Vic Fangio liked him when he was the defense coordinator. Uh, Chuck Pagano thinks very highly of Deion Bush. And I think if you tag him alongside A. Jackson, just ask him to – like you mentioned, Adrian Amos, he can play that role. I really think he can. When he was asked to step in in that wild card game, he was playing A. Jackson's role, and Adrian Amos was back at his you know normal position, even though they, they fluctuate responsibilities all the time during a game. But I think Deion Bush is somebody that the coaching staff feels comfortable with, and I honestly would feel comfortable with him being the starter. Now, if they want to go get that starter in, in the draft, I'm okay with that as well, but I I don't know. I just have this confidence that Deion Bush is going to be not like a great player, but he'll be he'll be solid. He'll be somebody that's not going to give up a big play that you can count on, knows what he's supposed to do. Maybe not like I said, not gonna have a pick six or anything like that, but he will do his job. And I think if you get that out of the strong safety position and you have all these other playmakers on the defense, you can live with that if you're Chuck Pagano. And you you'll be your defense will be just fine. All right, I like your confidence in Dean Bush. It inspires me a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from, but it's there. It's just a fiery passion for Dion Bush being a good quality starter. I like it. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, but last and not least, real quick, uh, looking at special teams, I believe that we have the three specialist positions that are set: uh, scales at long snapper, O'Donnell at punter, and of course Eddie Pinero at kicker. So the question here is, there's no way the Bears should use a draft pick on a kicker, let alone a punter, right? Seems pretty clear-cut to me, but I've seen box where fans are drafting a kicker late, uh, saying that the Bears should draft a kicker, bring in another kicker, and that leaves me scratching my head a little bit. But we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, I don't believe, unless, Nick, you're tipping your hand and you have the Bears drafting a kicker in your last Mac that we're going to do next week. Absolutely not. Um, The Bears should not draft a kicker, punter, a long snapper, any of those guys. I mean, how many kickers even get drafted each draft? You can just get those guys as unsigned free agents or undrafted free agents, bring them to camp and see what happens. You don't need to waste a pick on a kicker, even though I think the Bears will have some some kind of form of a kicking competition, not in Bourbon A, but at House Hall, if we have a training camp this year. Well, let's not go there. Now you're making me sad again. You just had me all fired up about Dion Bush, and now you're bringing <laughs> me down. That that was a quick two minutes. Yeah, probably less than that. Yeah, probably was. All right, so that does it for our burning questions at each and every position on this Bears team. Now, to wrap up the show, we did ask Twitter uh, for a few fan questions, and Nick doesn't even know which ones I chose, which is the best part because I always can get his honest answers on the fly. So my first question Actually, it came from Mike C, who kind of slid into our DMs a little bit here. And he asked, uh, do you guys think that the leaving of Mm. Taylor Gabriel, uh, the PSU receiver KJ Handler, would make a good fit for this Bears offense? Nick, I think you have this one. Uh, You had him in your last last mock draft. So you want to run with this one? I think that would be a great pick for the Bears. Like I was saying earlier, fills the Z position, fills the zebra position, but adds elite speed something that the bears currently don't have and i know a lot of people maybe say well kj hamlet didn't play a lot on the outside well if you're the z receiver you're off the line of scrimmage you're doing a lot of motion we know matt Nagy likes to have a lot of bunch sets there's a lot of things the bears can do to scheme a guy like that open but i think he'd be an absolute perfect fit and every single mock draft i did he was in that range so it could be a realistic one too as well i like how everyone's dissing on skype they feel our pain 
It, I, I miss the days of Google Hangouts, but you know, YouTube discontinuing their own Google product uh, still doesn't make sense to me. But we, I digress. I, I don't want to get caught up in the stream venting process here. Uh, so the next question comes from Johnny A, which a longtime listener show really appreciate each and every time Johnny reaches out with a question. Uh, he said, "In all reality, how close do we believe the Bears are from being Super Bowl contenders?" And for me, I mean, you just look at 2018, and they were just so damn close in 2018. And if my count is correct, I think they're only down six starters from that season. Kyle Long, Jordan Howard, Taylor Gabriel, Bryce Callahan, Prince Mukamara, and Adrian Amos. I believe that's all we're missing right now. And out of those six, I think four of those positions are question marks heading into this season, which we've already discussed, uh, right guard, uh, someone to replace Taylor Gabriel, uh, the cornerback, and then that strong safety. So if they can find a way to get those answers at these positions sooner rather than later, I think you hopefully in coaching ends up being one of the bigger culprits last year, which he turned around. I would say relatively somewhat close, which is no answer. But I think talent-wise, the core is there. They just need to find a way to put those extra pieces that surrounds the core. And then, of course, uh, with the coaching changes, those need to motivate the players to play at a higher degree that we saw last year because you saw a dip in play, which to me, a lot of it falls on coaching because we saw what they can do uh, from a talent perspective in 2018, whether that be adjusting uh, because teams caught on to Matt Nagy, he needs to find a way to counter it. Things of that nature. I think talent-wise, this team's close. I'm not going to call them a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender now. Uh, we'll wait until we get to the season. Uh, we'll see what this team even looks like when we get towards July, August, September. But how about you, Nick? Are, how close do you think they are? That's It's an interesting question because I think I've been thinking about something similar to that a lot. I don't know if I feel as confident with this Bears team like I did after the 2018 season going into 2019. There, I'm not nearly as close as I was and yes like you mentioned Will they didn't lose as you know maybe as many impactful starters and they've you know tried to replace some guys but I think it all just kind of comes down to the quarterback position if Nick Foles really is the guy that they you know got to really just run this offense to the best of its ability then we're going to see a big jump just offensively and that's going to help this team immensely just on all three phases for some reason, at this point in time, I'm just not as confident saying that they're, you know, close to being that Super Bowl team. There's so many good teams just in the NFC alone. And I know adding another extra playoff spot will help, but man, it's going to be competitive. And we just need to see that quarterback position get the most out of the playmakers that are on this offense. And how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Once I'll be added, so... Again, like you answered, uh, we're we're kind of there. We're kind of not. I'm just not as confident in this team as I was from the 2018 season going into 2019. Yeah, which is fair. I mean, they showed, gave us every reason to not really, not believe, but you can't just. I mean, a, a year ago at this time, we're like, yeah, you know, get a good draft in. We're all set. We're punching our ticket. We're gonna make a deep playoff run, and it all just fell apart. So. I have trust issues, and we will definitely <laughs> uh, allow them to earn that trust back. I have trust issues with those headphones. That's for me too. For damn sure. Me too. Now moving on uh, to the next question it comes from Jarrett C. Uh, he wants to know who are our picks to have the biggest breakout season on both sides of the ball. Uh, he also added where we believe the Bears' defense will rank this year. I think we should wait till after the draft to assess that. We have a couple of other questions to go out. But looking at breakout candidates, and for me, a definition of a breakout means uh, someone who's bursting onto the scene, someone that is unexpected from maybe the outside. So for my two guys, would be offense, David Montgomery, because the offensive line is going to help him out, and defense, Bilal Nichols, because he's healthy, and I think he has that talent. So I'm sure it took both of Nick's, uh, or I'm sure he can maybe come up with another on the fly. Do you have anyone different besides Montgomery or Nichols? What if we had Nick Foles as that guy being just a breakout player? Um, obviously, didn't get to have the 2019 season that he would have liked with the Jaguars, but 
you see that he has comfortability with this offense. A lot of the coaches there, there's some weapons there. Obviously, Allen Robinson being the biggest one, he could definitely have a breakout season. And that's why in his contract, there are incentives. If he makes a Pro Bowl, if he throws over a certain amount of yards, he gets more money. As a as a player, you're probably putting those in because you think you can accomplish that. So he can easily be a candidate that can have a breakout season. And then if you're looking on the defensive side, I'll go with a guy. Uh, I don't want to go with Buster Screen, but a breakout, I would say, is just very consistent. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe he gets. I know I projected to have like three interceptions last season. Maybe we can get two out from that nickelback position. Um, but I'll go with Buster Screen just to be different. All right, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, next question comes from Nola. Question is, should we make a push for Devonta Freeman on a one-year deal to add to our running back group? I'm going to go with no, but I have a feeling you're going to go the opposite route here, Will, just because um, I think the Bears are okay with what they have at the running back position. They can, I mean, obviously you're looking at playmakers any way that you can, but I don't know with Devonta Freeman what he has left if He's how many reps are you realistically going to get from a guy on a contract that's going to actually be worthy enough to have him on his team? So there's a lot of little complications or questions that I have for a guy like that. Would he fit? Probably. But I just don't know with the guys that they have currently how that all will work out. Matt Nagy couldn't get Cordell Patterson enough snaps last year. Add another guy. It's like it's almost like too many guys to you know have in the backfield. But what are your thoughts? If this was Madden, I'd do it. How about oh, yeah. that? If this was Madden, okay, yeah. I see him out there in the free agency market. And if you can find a relatively cheap deal, you know, like one year, three million, yeah, I kick the tires on it, see if there's any interest there. But like you said, he's not, he wouldn't get a lot of touches. I'd think that he wouldn't want to come into a situation where he knows he can be the third, if not fourth guy in that rotation if you want to throw in Patterson. So don't think there would be mutual interest. But again, if this is Madden, yeah, okay. I would probably bring him on, see what he can do in some spell situations. Looking at my next question comes from Tegan. He wants to know, do you think that if Tua drops to the late first round, should you trade up to get him? I just wanted to see what you would say. Oh, man. there's a, It's a big like- if. Yeah, it's a big if, but there's just so many, I think, questions right now with Tua and that injury and how he's actually going to be able to come back from it. I think a lot of teams have him higher up, but that there's a reason why maybe Justin Herbert's like going above him. But can you really take a risk like that with not knowing if this guy's going to be healthy? I would say the Bears would probably would definitely do it, though. Like if he drops the bottom line first round, your Ryan Pace will give up picks like it's his job, which kind of is kind of isn't but he would do it i mean my thought would be if tua is the top quarterback or maybe in the top three quarterbacks on his board and he got in within striking distance or really any quarterback that was in the top two or three on his board that he was in striking distance again you'd have to give up a second probably a fifth that that sounds scary just given the limited capital but if that's his guy again <laughs> you say that like that's his guy we already saw what his guy can do i mean i wouldn't I wouldn't fault him for it and making a big move. If I was the GM, I wouldn't do it this year. I think you just go with the battle you have and you roll with it. But real interesting if a situation like that does occur, what Ryan Pace could end up doing. We're only a week away. We're going to find out in seven days. A couple more questions here. One comes from Logan. He wants to know, this is a fun one, uh, dead or alive, past or present, what Bears player would you most like to be quarantined with? How about you, Nick? Oh, man, I read this question. I said I was going to think about it, but now I'm thinking about it right now. I'll go with the guy that's right in front of my desk here, um, Devin Hester. Uh, I've never – well, met him once, but I think just getting to know him a little bit more, that would be awesome. was my favorite player growing up, um, but, I mean, I would want to ask him about Super Bowl experience, things like that, um, I think would be really, really cool. What about yourself? I put Charles Tillman. I put Peanut down. I, he can teach me how to uh, build and row a boat. I just feel like that Charles Tillman, if I was quarantined with him, he would just have so many life lessons that he can bestow upon me. I think I'd come out of the quarantine a better human being at the end of the day, and I think that'd be a pretty amazing experience. I think, of course, everyone's fallback or everyone's default would be Walter Payton. So, of course, mm-hmm. looking elsewhere here, I think Charles Tillman would be a, another excellent human being to kind of just learn from uh, throughout the quarantine. And of course, you know, he likes to have fun too. Maybe he'll tell you about his FBI little, you know, journey that he had. 
He can't. He may. He might if we're quarantined. We don't know uh, how long it's going to last. It's true. <laughs> we do not. Uh, another question came from Logan, too, which I really like. Uh, he wants to know, were we all raised Bears fans, or is there a different story behind it? I know we've always mentioned these in passing in the past in the show, but there are a lot of new listeners that kind of chime in, jump on, and, of course, always good to share some of the history. So for myself, I was literally born during a Bears game. Bears, Vikings, Monday Night Football, the Bears ended up losing that game. Uh, the story is, you know, the doctor's cheering on the game and my dad's cheering on the game. My mom, while she's giving birth, thought they're cheering, you know, her on and me on to enter this world. But they're all just looking at the TV, uh, cheering on uh, the, the Bears, which is always a good story. But nope, grew up a Bears fan uh, literally since birth. Really got into it third grade. Brian Erlacher was that first guy I really was able to attach to and really learn and love football from there. But, Nick, I know you have a pretty interesting story as well. Yeah, so I really didn't grow up watching a lot of football, not until about the fifth or sixth grade where my uncle really got me into the Bears. He took me to my first Bears game. It was the year after the Super Bowl season. Got to see Devin Hester return a punt for a touchdown against the Saints. But... Yeah, it was just him just kind of integrating me into football. I started playing it. Then I just obviously fell in love with the Bears being uh, something that my uncle loved watching. We would get so animated during games. But, yeah, always grew up a Bears fan. Didn't start as early as you will. But ever since I you know, started watching from sixth grade, obviously been hooked. And here we are today. Yeah, I don't know if anyone could beat me, literally from birth. Of course, not cognizant enough to really know what's going on. It took a while to actually grow into it, but its I don't know how many people have that story of being born during a Bears game with the Bears game on TV. its its And I mean, they're always like, oh yeah, the Bears lost. And I never believed my parents until one day when I was a kid, got on the <laughs> internet, was able to check my birthday, check if there was a game, and check the final score, and... It all checks out. So really interesting there. But final question comes from Bill Zimmerman. Of course, this is the fun one. They got everyone going on Twitter. Uh, so if Khalil Mack had the ability to fly, would he still play for the Chicago Bears or would he give up football to become a superhero? And then, of course, the conversation went, oh, maybe he does both, which was going to be my answer. Uh, I think he can moonlight. He can moonlight as a superhero as well as, you know, winning football games here in Chicago. But Nick, with your love and affinity for the Avengers and Marvel comics, I couldn't not put this question for you. No, it's a great question. The one, the hard hitting questions that we need to think about, right? Well, um, man, it's like, <laughs> if he could fly, I mean, would you want to mess with a human being like Khalil Mack? He could do superhero, you know, superhero heroic things on the football field. If he can add flying to, you know, his repertoire of moves, why not? I mean, Cleo Mack, we never know what he's doing when it's the offseason. Like, you know, he doesn't post much on social media. We don't see much. After the games are over and the media is done with him, where's Cleo Mack go? What does he do? That's why we're asking these questions. All yeah. really good <laughs> questions. But I don't think he would give up football for superheroing. I think he likes the, the big paydays that come his way, being a part of the NFL, being one of the more uh, – lucrative contracts in the uh, still in the NFL. I don't know if it is the highest paying one. I'm sure that just gets bumped up every year. I don't keep track of those things really too much, but it's enough. It's enough to pay the bills and do a little more extra on the site as well. But uh, anything else that you wanted to mention from this uh, show? I, that's the last question I had, and I'm glad that your Skype's back to working normally. You can hear me. I can hear you, and uh, we get to end this show uh, together. Yeah, I apologize for that. Don't know what happened, but great questions. It was a fun time just going, again, the biggest questions for this Bears team before the draft, which we figured out is a week from tomorrow. So it's it's coming up, and we have some big questions, and hopefully the Bears will answer some. I saw from uh, Cliff in the chat a uh, question for us. It's Cleo Mack or the water boy, which reminds me of a great story of when I was a child and pay-per-view uh, turned into a thing and I had it at my house. It was before uh, my family knew how to set up parental controls and I loved the Waterboy movie. I watched it a lot. Ordered it so many times within a month. I think the bill was like $500 and they sent a free Waterboy t-shirt along with the bill. Uh, so I still have that t-shirt. I think it's somewhere in a tote. But yeah, ordered the Waterboy movie so many times on pay-per-view it they literally sent a Waterboy shirt with the bill because the bill was outrageously expensive, but I wasn't allowed to do pay-per-view after the fact, and they found a way to turn it off, but <laughs> I would have to go with the Waterboy just because obviously I had uh, 
a big interest in that uh, as a first grader. That's awesome. That's a great story. Um, not as cool, but Iowa's in the water boy. What? They play them. They play Iowa. Oh, yes. The team. That's not yeah. you. No, I'm just saying. Dude, that's all I got. I don't have anything like your story. I'm not going to waste her $500 to get a cool Waterboy t-shirt, but that's all I got. Most expensive shirt of my lifetime, but it's a, it's a great movie. It really is. But all right, I think that's going to do it for today. And Nick, I'm not trying to pry, but uh, is your mock draft completed for next week? Absolutely not. Didn't think so. Didn't think so, <laughs> but I was trying to see if I can get a heads up and maybe get a little bit out of you, but it doesn't seem like it. So that's going to do it for this episode. I want to make sure to thank everyone for tuning into the show, whether you're here in the live recording in the chat. Really appreciate each and every one of you. And of course, if you're listening to the podcast, another huge thank you as well. You know the saying, no matter where you are or how you consume our show, we really do appreciate the time that you shared here with us. We'll be back here in just a few days as we need to do our final mock drafts of the offseason. Sounds like Nick... And myself, we have a lot of work yet to do. But until next time, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts to help us reach our goal of 700. And of course, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.